0: Welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe.
1: And I'm Brenna.
0: And our show is created on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishnabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805.
1: And on the Tecumloops Tase Swetmic territory within the unceded traditional lands of Swetmic Ulu. And this is a mini-sode to mark the passing of two, I would say, giants of middle grade fiction, Joe.
0: Right. And you're going to educate me on this because I definitely know the names, but not the works.
1: Yeah. And I wanted to talk about it because so we're talking about Beverly Cleary, for sure, who passed away um, a little over a week before the recording of this episode. So a few weeks ago, for those of you listening. But Beverly Cleary's passing and everybody talking about it on Twitter reminded me that we lost Jean Little last year, just around this time last year. And she's also a really significant figure who we could probably spend some time talking about on the show. So this is just a little minisode to recognize the passing of these figures and uh, talk a little bit about their role in the history of children's literature more generally, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah.
0: So Brenna, what would you say people would know these two women from?
1: so beverly cleary is most known i think for creating the characters ramona and bezos quimby Mm. who are middle grade figures who particularly for little bookish girls (laughs) are really important characters and gene little is best known for probably two novels mine for keeps which was published in the 60s and a book called from anna published in the 70s but I want to talk about why she's so important sort of in relation to Beverly Cleary. So maybe I'll start with Ramona and Beezus and why people love them so much. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So I think what's so important about Cleary's cultural significance is kind of the moment when she came up in children's literature so she lived to be 104 which I know right so she was born in 1916 and she died in 2021 and she wrote about really middle-class girls primarily at a time when I don't know attention to girlhood was not really a thing (laughs) in literature for kids it was mostly like adventure stories and things Mm -hmm. and what she's particularly noted for and this dovetails really nicely with Jean Little, is attending to, like, the everyday lives of children. So these aren't, like, chosen ones on a quest narrative. These are little kids, and they're having normal little kid experiences, and Cleary's talking about the drama that (laughs) that represents for kids, right? Like, your everyday life is really dramatic when you're a kid. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Something that a lot of people have commented on is the fact that when you read Beverly Cleary books now, they seem just really sweet and gentle, but they were actually pretty radical for their time period, right? Because they were representing this this version of childhood that was pretty true to life. And it really centered on kind of bookish, smart, interesting girls and the adventures that they have. Right. Which is really, you know... Uh, We think of it as so normal now. We read so much YA about middle class girls. (laughs)
0: It's Mm -hmm. all we
1: read now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when you introduced that, I thought, oh, okay, well, that doesn't seem particularly radical, because of course, that is our, our kind of normal existence now. But I can understand that what you're talking about is that there was a time when this was something new and innovative, because it was just a discussion people weren't having.
1: Yeah. So the Ramona books, she published this, the first one in 1955. So wow. yeah, you've definitely early. I mean, it's post Anne of Green Gables, obviously. But even with the Anne books, Anne is an exceptional child within her world, right? Right. And there's something much more normal and average and everyday about Ramona and Bezos and their family and the people around them. Every bookish girl can relate to Ramona. There was quite a bit of um, controversy on Twitter, because one of the obituaries described Ramona as a bratty character, and like, the bookish girls of Twitter were up in arms.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They were having none of it, huh?
1: How actually dare you? And you can just see the significance. But as I was saying, like hearing people talking so much about Beverly Cleary, who is, you know, like this huge She's a huge figure, right? There's a residence hall named after her at University of California, Berkeley. Hmm. There's endowed chairs to her all over the world. I think the Oregon library system named the children's book rooms after her. Like, everybody knows Beverly Cleary. I wanted to take a second to talk a little bit about a a figure who I think dovetails with a lot of what Beverly Cleary did, but who particularly our American and international listeners might not be so familiar with, and that's Jean Little. Okay. Because she's a Canadian writer. So Mm -hmm. she was born in 1932, and she died last April. So we're coming up on just about a year. And in her life, she published 36 novels for sort of middle grade and young, young adult children. Okay. With her first one out in 1962. And what I think is so interesting about Jean Little is she was blind. She progressively lost her eyesight over time, but by the time she was publishing her later books, she was using like a voice-to-text computer program.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: And a lot of her books focus on disability. Probably one of her most famous books, Mind for Keeps, which came out in 1962, that was her first book, is about a little girl with cerebral palsy who gets a dog and whose dog becomes like her companion. Hmm. And again, they're very much about the minutia of childhood. They're about sort of everyday life for children. But what I think is so interesting about Jean Little is that she started her career teaching children with disabilities as a special educator, and she was really disappointed by the landscape of children's literature in the 60s. She really resented that disabled characters in children's books at that time basically had two outcomes. They either recovered completely and lived, quote unquote, normal lives, or they died. Of course, Those were the only two options. And what she wanted to do in her books for children was show what it means to live with disability mm-hmm. and be depicted as still like living a fulfilling life and this yes. is a pretty radical thing i mean it's still kind of a pretty radical thing in ya right we still is.
0: it really really is i'm thinking back we've talked a lot about mental illness less so about disability. But yeah, the narrative, honestly, as you were talking about the two options, I thought, oh, okay, yeah, we're still getting those stories.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Whereas a book like mine for keeps, which I remember reading as a little girl, and just just identifying so strongly with this girl protagonist and her pet, and the idea of them kind of just moving through the world together as like this unit. I just loved that as a kid. But the other thing that Jean Little wrote a lot of were, I kind of affectionately call these her girl journal books. There are these books that take place at different points in Canadian history, and they're written as if they are diaries of little girls living through that moment. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of them. Um, She's got one, probably her most famous is about the home children. So children sent over, you know, during World War II Mm -hmm. to Canada to live. But she also has them about all just all different moments of Canadian history. She helped to found, I'm pretty sure this series called the Dear Canada series, which told these kinds of stories. And then her other really famous book from Anna is about a blind girl from Germany who moves to Canada just on the eve of Hitler coming to power in Germany. And so it's 1972. And it's about disability, immigration, racism, anti Semitism, violence. They for are middle grade. The depression. It's for middle grade kids in 1972. So, you know, it's it's just so fascinating as we see these giants pass. It gives us this moment to like look back and recognize that the history of children's literature and literature for young adults is, is much more complex than we sometimes give it credit for.
0: Oh yes, yeah.
1: The other interesting fact I have about Jean Little dovetails with a book I might make us do for book club in the future. So there's a book called Rabbit Ears by Maggie DeVries that is about, well, it's about women disappearing from the downtown east side, but for teenagers. Right. And Maggie DeVries is the niece of Jean Little. Maggie DeVries wrote that book after her sister, Sarah, disappeared from the downtown east side. She was eventually confirmed to have been one of Robert Picton's victims.
0: Oh, no.
1: And Jean Little and her sister actually raised Sarah DeVries' two girls after that, or two children, a boy and a girl, I think, after that happened. So I don't know, just fascinating figure, <laughs> fascinating moment. She has this piece that she wrote for the CBC. And it's all about like how you create family out of tragedy, like reforming a family out of the tragedy of losing her niece. And right. what that meant for, for her as an older woman who had, you know, lived as a single woman for much of her life. Just, I don't know, fascinating lady. I really encourage folks to pick up a book by Jean Little or just read a little bit about her life. Mm -hmm. While you're remembering Beverly Cleary, there's another figure that you can kind of be thinking about alongside. Nice.
0: I like the CanCon connection, Brenna.
1: You know, that's what I'm here for.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's the only reason I keep you around.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've seen you can replace me. I'm still reeling. (laughs) Oh my
0: gosh, lady. (laughs) Well, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that you propose doing this as a special kind of one off minisode. Because I do think it's important that we acknowledge some of the timeliness of things. And Mm -hmm. if people have Beverly Cleary on their minds, I think this is a good opportunity to say, oh, if you're thinking of this person, you might also enjoy the works of this other person that you're maybe less familiar with.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think Jean Little, a lot of Canadian kids, especially girls, grew up reading her books. They were sort of ubiquitously around in our libraries. But of for, course, yeah. for folks outside of Canada, really recommend you check her out, particularly if you're someone who's interested in depictions of disability for young people. She's mm-hmm. a real trailblazer and I think important to that discipline as a whole. Nice. OK. Yeah. So um, if you grew up reading Jean Little and you want to chat with me about her, or if you're deep in your Beverly Cleary reminiscences and you want to talk about her as well, I'm open for both. Uh, You can find us on Twitter. We're at HKHSpod or on the hashtag HKHSpod. And you can find me at Brenna C. Gray. That's Gray with an A. Joe, where do they find you?
0: I am at Beast on my remote, and that's the letter B.
1: And of course, if you've got something longer or you just prefer it, You can email us, hkhspod at gmail.com.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Thanks for indulging me, Joe.
0: No (laughs) problem.